President Trump signs a memo omitting all kinds of illegal immigrants from the national census. Violence erupts across peaceful protest cities across the country. A Chinese consulate burns in Houston, and J. Edgar talks about celebrity. I'm J. Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, folks, and welcome to Contemporary. A little bit of a messy hair there, just from the drying up there. I didn't even realize it until I turned the camera on, so I apologize for everybody who got to see that one as we went along there. But uh, we've still got a ton to get to, and no matter how messy the hair gets, the news stops for nobody here. I don't have the Restream chat up. Hold on a sec. Let's uh, rectify that, shall we? I apologize, folks. Because I can't see, I can see you on my monitors over here, but I can't really see you on anything else. So let's get that rectified here. But we have got a ton to get to today. I can't believe that they burned a Chinese consulate, but we'll be talking a lot about that as we go along here. But before we get started, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. We have got... Stephen Ignoramus, who got busy on the podcast circuit and interviewing people as well. We've got my show. We've got the Generational Gap. We have got the Freckles and Brit show. We've got the Already Conservative. If our website ever finishes uh, getting rebuilt and we can get him back up there. We've also got the Breakdown with Birkenhoff. Make sure you check that out later on today. So we've got a bunch of content up here. Go over there, check out our swag, pick up some of our stuff, and help us support these great creators. All right, let's move right on down into the stocks. So, from Google's uh, stock page, first we look at the Dow yesterday, which stayed above, as we saw. It wasn't a huge jump out of there. We got up and we touched on 27,000 again, but Market Watch has some grim uh, possibilities for that as well. And closed just 0.6% above where we were, so 159 points. And that's what we're going to be seeing out of this here. I do want to take a second here before we get too far into anything else and give thanks to Sully Blue for the seven lemons that I saw after I got off the stream last night. Thanks for stopping by and catching up with Ed's World Gaming last night. All right, let's keep going down the uh, pipes here. From MarketWatch, this is an opinion piece. A new stock market high is coming because of all the money that is being printed from Nigam Aurora. The stock market is likely headed toward a new high fueled, uh, toward a new high. That's, they're using it as a, nine, a noun and usually it's an adjective. The stock market is likely headed towards a new high fueled by borrowing and uh, money printing. European leaders have agreed on a recovery plan that will cost $2.1 trillion. In the U.S., another stimulus package is likely ahead. It is out of fashion to consider how the borrowed money will be paid back. Central banks stand ready to print as much as they want. There appear to be no constraints on the central bankers who are not elected. The momentum crowd is uh, celebrating by increasingly aggressive buying of mo uh, momentum stocks. Prudent investors are asking, is there a limit? Let's explore the help of, or with the help of a chart. So there's a chart there. Uh, let's see if we can get that up here. An annotated chart. So I'm not 100% sure what that means. It's like we've got a couple different things going along in there. But that is the chart. Note the following. 
or I'm sorry, please click here for the annotated chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average ETF plus 0.57%, which tracks the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It is a monthly chart, so investors can have long-term perspective. Note the following. The chart shows the stock market has broken out decisively above the upper band of the support resistance zone. The breakout is happening as RSI is giving a buy signal. The combination of the breakout and RSI is a powerful especially since RSI is not overbought. When RSI is above 70, as shown by the purple line, the RSI pane in the chart is considered to be overbought. The chart shows from a technical perspective there are no hurdles for the stock market to reach a new high. The chart shows progression of the Fed's balance sheet, a fancy way of talking about money printing before the Great Recession. The Fed's balance sheet stood at $0.87 trillion. Now it's headed towards $10 trillion. Not shown on the chart is the fact that the U.S. debt is now $26.5 trillion when properly accounting for all the liabilities of the government. Total liabilities at about $132.68 trillion. By some estimates, each taxpayer's share of the liability is $860,000. $860,000, people. That is your share of our national debt and liability. Where's the limit? The limit is determined by the following factors. Inflation, currency depreciation, difficulty borrowing, high interest rates, social unrest, public awakening. Right now, none of the above factors are in play for the following reasons. Inflation is low because of the way the government calculates inflation as well as artificially low interest rates and globalization. Fact check false. <coughs> currency depreciation has not been an issue because most governments in the world are engaging in similar policies. Borrowing is not an issue because there's a surplus of capital. Central banks are determined to artificially keep interest rates at low levels, even negative in some parts of the world. We are beginning to see early signs of social unrest, but we are a long ways off from a revolution. There are no signs of public awakening from the long-term consequences. What to do? Hold some gold in portfolio? Birch gold, folks. Get your birch gold. Take a look at these ETFs for gold. A big part of our research is devoted to precise allocation levels as signals for precious metals. <clears throat> the big money is in hiding at five large cap tech stocks of Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Facebook. Keep a close watch on those stocks. Keep a close eye on the momentum crowd's favorite stocks such as Tesla, Zoom Video, Netflix, and Peloton. Accept that this is a bubble, but know that the bubble is likely to get bigger before it pops. Know that a lot of money is being or to be made as the bubble gets bigger. Hold on to good long-term positions, but use the concept of protection bands to cover or protect your portfolio. Understand the difference between strategic investing and tactical trading. Take advantage of opportunities with short-term practical trades, in addition to long-term strategic investments. Stay nimble. Do not get locked into a bullish or bearish opinion, and pay attention to the risk. So. That's not usually what we read on the stocks, but I thought that it would be interesting to see what another investor sees as far as the economy goes and what the bubble is going to do. Because, like I, like I say, often, the Dow Jones is not the economy. The stock market is not the economy, but it does give a good benchmark of where the economy is going. But I also pointed out the fact that if we keep printing money left and right, it's going to be worth less. And it's going to inflate those numbers and push them all the way back up. So, a couple things to keep in mind. Let's look at what CNBC has to say about the markets and the futures. 
Stock futures under pressure from U.S.-China tensions, earnings onslaught, and keep in mind this was updated 30 minutes ago, but this article was written before the Houston consulate story that we will read later on from Fred Imbert and Maggie Fitzgerald. U.S. stock futures fell in early trading Wednesday amid renewed U.S.-China tensions and ahead of major technology earnings from Microsoft and Tesla after the closing bell. Dow Jones Industrial Average futures were down 58 points or 0.2%. S&P 500 futures dipped 0.2% while NASDAQ 100 futures gained 0.2%. Futures briefly extended losses in pre-market trading after the U.S. State Department abruptly ordered China to close its consulate in Houston. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin condemned the action and warned of firm countermeasures if the U.S. does not reverse its decision. Pfizer shares rose more than 3% after the government said it approved the company to produce millions of doses of the coronavirus vaccine. A few disappointing company earnings after the bell Tuesday also weighed on investor sentiment. Shares of Snap dropped more than 9% in extended trading after the social media company reported fewer than expected daily active users. Shares of the United Airlines dipped in extended trading after the company reported a net loss of $1.62 billion for the second quarter. The coronavirus pandemic's impact on travel fueled an 87% year-over-year revenue decline for the Chicago-based airline. Earnings season continues on Wednesday with reports from Microsoft, Tesla, Chipotle, Mexican Grill, CSX, and Las Vegas Sands after the closing bell. All eyes will be on Tesla's earnings, which could make the company qualify to become an S&P 500 constituent. Biogen, Baker Hughes, and NASDAQ all report earnings before the bell on Wednesday. On Tuesday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed more than 150 points after rising more than 300 points at its high of the day. Chevron and ExxonMobil fueled the 30-stock index, gaining about 7% and 5% respectively as oil rose to its highest level since March. The S&P 500 closed on positive territory with a modest gain of 0.2%. Yeah, I noticed too, uh, gas in town is... Back down to 189. It's uh, here in the uh, city I live in is 205. So the gas prices went down just a little bit recently, and I made sure to fill up at what I'm guessing from what I'm seeing here is going to be the bottom. So that'll be good. That'll save me a little bit of money going down. But we've got to keep moving on here. Let's see what else we've got going on here from the news. Top story today from NBC News. uh, Wow, I can read. Trump signs memo to omit undocumented immigrants from census apportionment count. The Supreme Court blocked the administration's attempt to include a citizenship quest, uh, question on the census questionnaire. President Donald Trump signed a memo Tuesday that aims to bar undocumented immigrants living in the country from being included in the census for the purposes of deciding how many members of Congress are apportioned to each state. Trump said the memo, or in the memo that it will be the policy of the United States to exclude from the apportionment base aliens who are not in a lawful immigration status under the Immigration and Nationality Act. The memo directs Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, who oversees the census, to provide the president with data about the number of people who are undocumented so, we can, so that when excuse me, census officials present the president with a final count, the president can exclude them from the population totals used to determine how many house seats each state will have. I do have some questions about this, but I'm going to continue to read here. Trump said in a statement Tuesday, we will collect all of the information we need to conduct an accurate census and to make responsible decisions about public policy, voting rights, and representation in Congress. 
The administration argues that the Constitution does not specifically define which persons must be included in the apportionment base, noting that documented immigrants who are in the country temporarily and certain foreign diplomatic personnel are persons who have been excluded from the apportionment base in past censuses. It was not immediately clear how undocumented immigrants would be identified. The census questionnaire, which was distributed in March, did not require respondents to indicate whether they or others in their household are citizens. The administration tried last year to add a citizenship question for the first time in 60 years, but the Supreme Court blocked the Commerce Department. Chief Justice John Roberts joined the four-member liberal wing of the court and said the administration's rationale for adding the question was contrived. So, there are a couple things that are going on here. First off, it is census season. I still have not filled out the census because I work like 12 hours a day and I just forgot about it. So, after this, my Google uh, my Google person who is watching this to make sure that I don't talk about the, uh, the cheese pie and the door on the fence is going to come up here and tell the federal authorities that I need to be arrested and taken away for life. But, on a serious note for this, I do have questions about this. I absolutely have questions about what's going on here, what this means, and how this works. And one of the things that I have questions about when it comes to this is, are we going to exclude them entirely from the census, which it doesn't appear to from the way that this NBC News article is written tactfully, or are they just going to be omitted from the congressional apportionment now? When they first started talking about taking this or putting this question on there or not counting illegals in the census or many other things that they were talking about with this, I had the same question because the census does more than congressional apportionment. It determines tax rates. It determines how people are taxed. It determines a lot of different things that go along with this on a federal level, but it also does things on a state level, especially with statistics and population shifts. And it helps engineering departments. Now, they do have an idea of how many people, and you see demographic shift already. And a lot of city engineering departments can attest for that. But the census really helps these engineering departments in the cities project a growth for the next 10 years or decline for the next 10 years. And it also helps them build systems that are meant to handle the amount of people that are there. <clears throat> With the numbers from the census, based on censuses past, city engineering departments can figure out how many people will approximately be driving on your road over the next 10 years, how many houses will need to be built in the next 10 years, how many jobs will be, need to be provided, and how many people, business people need to be incentivized to come into your area over the next 10 years. And the big one, it helps engineers decide how much sewer capacity you need to cater to a population for the next 10 years. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. I want my sewer to keep working for as long as it can. I don't want it to fail from overcrowding from people that were here that didn't get counted in the census. And we've got a whole bunch of people that we don't know are here that are using that same sewer system because if you overload that thing, it's going to get really stinky in your town. So, yeah, I have a couple questions about this, and I do understand congressional apportionment with this. I That's why I was 
I was a big proponent of having this question on the census. So these people could get counted and we could determine how many people were here and how many were not or were going to be here long term and still not have to shift the con uh, Congress versus or over illegal aliens. So yeah, I had a I had a lot of questions about this and I was a big proponent of this question, but I don't know how he's going to count it because the census is for the most part done. You've got idiots like me that didn't fill it out yet that still need to get it in, but for the most part it's done and they're already counting the people. So we'll see what happens off of this. We've got a bunch of other politics news to talk about here. From Politico, House Conservatives pile on Cheney at GOP conference meeting. From Melanie Zanona, members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus tore into Representative Liz Cheney during a heated GOP conference meeting on Tuesday, lobbying attacks at her for breaking with President Trump during Dr. Anthony Fauci and backing a primary opponent to one of their colleagues. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, a Freedom Caucus co-founder and one of Trump's top allies, called out Cheney, the GOP conference chair, for all the time she's opposed Trump and began taking off some recent high-profile examples, according to two sources in the room. While Jordan praised her defense of Trump during the impeachment, he also said Cheney's recent rebukes of Trump, which have focused on Trump's handling of the coronavirus, his Twitter rhetoric, his foreign policy, were not helpful. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, the head of the Freedom Caucus, even accused Cheney of undermining the GOP's ability to win back the House and said that if someone has a problem with Trump, they should keep it to themselves. No! That is the wrong thing to talk about. Cheney responded to the criticism by saying she agrees with Jordan's assessment and making clear her views are her own. To Jordan, whose arch-conservative Freedom Caucus was a constant pain for GOP leadership, when the party was in the majority, Cheney said, I look forward to hearing your comments about being a team player when we're back in the majority, according to two sources in the room. After the meeting, Representative Matt Gates of Florida, who is not a member of the Freedom Caucus but is closely aligned with the conservative crew, tweeted that Cheney should step down from her position as the number three House Republican. He also discussed at length his issues with Cheney in the most recent episode of his podcast, which posted Tuesday afternoon. Oh my god, Matt Gates has a podcast? Well, I suppose everybody has one at this point, but that's a little surprising. Liz Cheney has worked behind the scenes and now in public against Trump and his agenda. House Republicans deserve better, as our conference chair tweeted Gates, who himself once split with Trump over a war powers resolution. Liz Cheney should step down and be, or be removed. Yeah, we are. We're starting to see a split in the GOP. Now we've been seeing a split in the Democrat Party for a very, very long time. There's they have been having issues and a big schism. Because the progressive ideals and the union worker ideals are not in line. And I knew the split was going to come out of the GOP at some point here. They have been very united behind Trump for the majority of this. But now that there's a lot of pressure back on Trump, you're going to see a split. And you're going to see the actual GOP, which I heard a lot of people on podcasts yesterday talk about, uh, was the... Lower taxes base and no single issue base. Lower taxes and don't do anything else to rock the boat. That kind of that kind of GOP and the Trumpist GOP, which is just out to go out and own the libs, for lack of a better term. You're going to see a big split in this, and it worries me a little bit. 
to see the split that we're seeing out of this. And I don't know what's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen in November. And it's getting rockier and rockier. Honestly. A couple months ago, after I said I was never going to vote for Trump again, I still said he was probably going to win. Now I'm actually starting to question that a little bit. Even still with Biden being at the top, I still think that he... I still think he's going to win, but it's it's not so certain for me anymore. But they're not the only ones who are having problems over in D.C. from the Hill. Ocasio-Cortez accosted by GOP lawmaker over remarks. That kind of confrontation hasn't ever happened to me from Mike Lillis. <clears throat> Tensions flared on Capitol Hill this week when a Republican lawmaker challenged Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on issues of crime and policing in an unusual and decidedly personal confrontation on the Capitol steps. Representative Ted Yoho of Florida was coming down the steps on the east side of the Capitol on Monday, having just voted when he approached Ocasio-Cortez, who was ascending into the building to cast a vote of her own. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow, I don't know why I've got uh, so much of a sticky sore throat today, but it's happening. In a brief but heated exchange, which was overheard by a reporter, Yoho told Ocasio-Cortez she was disgusting for recently suggesting that poverty and unemployment are driving a spike in crime in New York City during the coronavirus pandemic. You're out of your freaking mind, Yoho told her. Wow, I really could use a citation on this because I'm going to say that I don't think this happened. Ocasio-Cortez shot back telling Yoho he was being rude. The two then parted ways. Ocasio-Cortez headed into the building while Yoho, joined by Representative Roger Williams, began descending towards the House office building. A few steps down, Yoho offered a parting thought to no one in particular. Fucking bitch, he said. Ocasio-Cortez, a liberal firebrand and social media sensation, is no stranger to attacks from the right, but shortly after the exchange, she said it was the first time since she arrived in Congress that another lawmaker has challenged her so aggressively. That kind of confrontation has never happened to me, ever, she said. I've never had that kind of abrupt, disgusting kind of disrespect levied at me. Approached a few hours later, Yoho declined to discuss any aspects of the exchange. No comment, he said. Williams, who was in a position to hear the entire back and forth, said he wasn't paying it any mind. Yeah, no, this didn't fucking happen. I'm sorry. This absolutely 100% did not happen. This is something that got made up in order to make the GOP look unhinged. I can't see any situation where something like that happened. And this is coming from the fact that, of course, the House was meant to be the rowdier of the two chambers of Congress. They were, I mean, back in the 18th century, people were having fights on the uh, House of Representatives floor. So, I mean, it's not completely out of place to suggest that it happened, but... I don't think it happened. I, I just can't see a world where this would have happened like that. Where somebody would have risked his career to say to AOC to her face what we're all thinking. So, yeah, there are just a couple things going on here, but I don't buy it for a second. Alright, let's keep going. From the Daily Wire, watch rioters attack federal law enforcement official who was on the ground from Ryan Saavedra. Extremists in Portland that the Department of Homeland Security describes as violent anarchists attacked a federal law enforcement official who ended up on the ground on Monday as the city now endured more than 50 days of continued violence. 
The attack came as federal agents guarded a federal courthouse that rioters have repeatedly tried to destroy. Journalist Andy No tweeted out a video that showed the attack, writing, This is why federal law enforcement were using vans and cars to make discreet arrests of violent suspects. Rioters surround and attack an officer in the uh, process of making an arrest outside the courthouse. The suspect escapes. Other videos from last night showed the rioters allegedly attacking the courthouse and showed law enforcement having to deploy crowd control munitions. And yeah, there's a bunch of video of this. The federal agents were deployed to the city to stop the leftist violence. Are from the Border Patrol Tactical Unit, or BORTEC. The ICE agents are also reportedly helping DHS's Federal Protective Service, which protects federal buildings. Reuters reported a U.S. Customs and Border Protection spokeswoman said on Friday agents had been deployed to Portland to support newly launched U.S. Department of Homeland Security unit tasked with enforcing last month's executive order from Republican President Donald Trump to protect federal monuments and buildings. And one of the big things that I took out of this when I was listening to all this, I listened to Jen the Libertarian talking about this yesterday, and she got this 100% wrong. Because the rioters and protesters were getting ready to go up and torch a federal courthouse with people barricaded inside. Now she said, of course, to paraphrase, that the people inside should have just stood down, bent over, and kissed their asses goodbye, and just taken whatever came from it because they were part of the evil federal government. And they shouldn't have tried to defend themselves or defend the building or anything else out of this. And no. The federal government is not going out to this and trying to do the policing. They should be because the mayor of Portland and the governor of Oregon have failed them at this point. But no, they are standing down. They went in to go try and help and they were asked to leave, which was the absolute perfect thing for them to do because now they have a campaign ad on top of everything else that's going on with this. But they do need to, they are in the position to protect federal buildings. I don't care how libertarian you are, and if you don't want there to be federal buildings, pass an amendment that the federal government cannot own federal property. But until then, those buildings need to be protected, as well as the people inside. So no, she got this entirely wrong on this. No, don't let them out into the streets to do regular policing. Absolutely not. Do not let them do that. That's federalism for you. But yes, let them protect the federal building. But yes, she went on into the whole rant about how DHS needs to be disbanded, which I do agree with that, and Customs and Border Patrol needs to be disbanded, which I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's of course because General Libertarian believes that there should be no borders. And we actually have a list of the violence caused by left-wing protesters in Portland in recent weeks. Uh, broke a window in Hatfield Courthouse, uh, graffitied courthouse, graffitied the BPA building, Pioneer Courthouse, the 9-11 Federal Building, the Gus Solomon Courthouse. Yeah, no, they are going after federal buildings, and they weren't getting defended up until just now, and now is the time to call all of them out. All right, we've spent an inordinate amount of time on that topic. Let's keep going here. Speaking of violence in cities, Chicago's Lori Lightfoot tweets against Trump as bullets fly outside funeral home. From Bree Stimson. Even as Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was accusing President Trump of trying to terrorize her city by sending in federal forces to quell skyrocketing crime, bullets were flying Tuesday evening outside a Southside funeral home in a shocking fusillade of gunfire that left at least 15 people wounded. 
Lightfoot's Twitter message vowed to bar the feds and referring to the Trump administration as a dictatorship went out almost simultaneously as the drive-by attack and on a day when a number of other shootings occurred elsewhere in the city. Under no circumstances will I allow Donald Trump's troops to come to Chicago and terrorize our residents, Lightfoot wrote. We do not welcome dictatorship, the mayor added in a newspaper interview. After the news spread about the funeral home shootings, Lightfoot vowed those responsible would be held accountable. Too many guns are on our streets and in the hands of people who should never possess them, Lightfoot wrote. These individuals will be held accountable. I ask that anyone with information on this incident, please come forward or submit a tip anonymously at cpdtip.com. The victims were fired upon while leaving the funeral home when a black vehicle with multiple occupants drove past around 6.30 p.m. local time. According to police, sources told the Chicago Sun-Times the funeral was for Donnie Weathersby, 31, who was gunned down last week about a mile and a half northeast of the funeral parlor. Police could not yet determine if the shootings were gang-related or if those shooters were and victims knew each other. Some of the mourners exchanged gunfire with people inside the vehicle before it crashed down the block. The victims were taken to five hospitals where they were listed, er, listed conditions ranging from serious to critical. At least one person has been arrested, but police haven't given a motive or said if the shooter and the victims knew each other, the Chicago Tribune reported. Yes, don't let, uh, don't come into our city with federal forces, which once again, he said that he didn't do it and now he's been asked not to, so once the destruction comes and the CPD doesn't do anything about it, what do you think that's going to do come November? This guy is playing an election game off of this. But it's ironic the fact that she came out and did this and said, we will not welcome dictatorship. As people came down to gun down people outside of a funeral for a guy who was gunned down in the city violence. How much irony can you get on something like this? This is insane. The way these people think. All right, let's keep going here. From the Daily Wire once again from Emily Zanotti, Chicago police released video of Antifa using protests as a cover, changing to all black, arming against cops. Chicago Police Department officials released a surveillance video late Monday taken with existing closed-circuit city cameras monitoring Chicago's Grant Park showing peaceful protests being used as a cover to instigate an all-out riot that injured dozens of police officers and led to several arrests. The video, taken last Friday during a protest to remove a statue of Christopher Columbus, located in Grant Park, shows a group of protesters suddenly break off from larger peaceful demonstrations and move under the cover of trees. Suddenly, dozens of black umbrellas open to shield the group from CCTV cameras. CPD says the action was pre-planned and that while shielded from view by the umbrellas, the protesters changed from street clothes to all black and they distributed items including frozen water bottles and fireworks which they then used to confront the Chicago police officers guarding the Columbus statue. In the video, a man in a white shirt dumps out what appears to be bags of these makeshift weapons. Nearly, f wait, so they were dressed in all black, but a man in a white shirt dumped out the items. That doesn't make any sense. Nearly 50 officers sustained injuries following or in the following melee. One officer suffered a broken eye socket per CPD. At least 18 protesters were arrested. Police were caught off guard by the violence, and 49 officers were injured after projectiles and fireworks were thrown at them. 18 had to be treated in area hospitals, and officers have been ordered to wear their protective gear at all future protests. 
CPD released the footage after officers were accused of using excessive force to break up peaceful protesters. One of the demonstrators, an 18-year-old woman, claims to have lost a tooth in the confrontation with officers as they were clearing the park. Her account of the incident, however, is in question after a pro-police group released a series of videos appearing to show the woman provoking police. What began as a peaceful protest in Grant Park Friday evening devolved into a very dangerous situation in which mob action deliberately sought to injure officers, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said in a press conference on Monday, announcing CPD's release of the footage. Yeah, no, this was absolutely not peaceful, but once again, and you, they don't tell you on the Daily Wire who all got arrested and who was dressed in all black and who was there before that wasn't a part of the dress. Because remember, they were using the protests as a cover, partially, I'm guessing, to make sure that some of the peaceful protesters got arrested. So you can come out and say, oh, the evil police are arresting peaceful people that aren't being violent at all. And yes, they baited the Chicago Police Department into doing this. This this was a bait. This absolutely was. But they're going to continue to do things like this. I mean, that's what Antifa does. They're going out to try and bait the police into taking an aggressive action against people. Especially, and you see there the duct tape Red Cross on there. So they can come out and say, well, this is medical personnel that they're taking and arresting. They want to get on camera somebody somebody like this getting arrested with a medical bag and say, oh, well, they're they're just being tyrants and dictators. They're arresting everybody who would stand against them. And good on Chicago police for not taking the bait as much as they could have. But yeah, this, this is what they try to do to get their radical agenda done. All right, let's keep going. All right, from CBS News, Trump encourages Americans to wear masks and warns pandemic may get worse before it gets better from Grace Seegers and Melissa Quinn. President Trump changed his rhetoric on wearing masks in a press conference on Tuesday, saying that they have an impact. Mr. Trump's comments come as dozens of states and District of Columbia experience a rise in coronavirus infections. Mr. Trump spoke out about the worsening crisis in a briefing that came the day after the president announced he would revive the White House Coronavirus Task Force briefings, which were a near-daily staple throughout much of March and into April before tapering off in favor of the White House events focused on resurrecting the ailing economy. Mr. Trump urged Americans to wear a mask in the briefing. He largely resisted wearing a mask in public for months and downplayed their importance, but tweeted a picture of himself wearing one on Monday. Whether you like the mask or not, they have an impact, Mr. Trump said on Tuesday. He later added that he will use it gladly, no problem with it. He also commented on the development of vaccines, saying that the vaccines are coming, and they're coming a lot sooner than anyone thought possible. However, the president warned that there could be a surge in cases in the near future. Some areas of the country are doing very well, others doing less well. It'll probably be unfortunately get worse before it gets better. I don't like saying that, but that's the way it is, Mr. Trump said. Still, he painted a mostly positive picture of the response to the pandemic, saying that the U.S. had produced thousands of ventilators per day and arguing that the American response had been better than most. He also claimed that none of the 50 governors in the country needed anything right now to address new outbreaks. We're stocked up and ready to go, Mr. Trump said. He also reiterated his belief that the virus will disappear and we're all responsible. When asked if he takes responsibility for the death toll from the virus, the president also said he would be doing these briefings more often.
Mr. Trump was also not accompanied by other members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, such as Deborah Burks, the Coronavirus Response Coordinator, or Dr. Fauci, the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Asked on whether members of the task force were during the press conference, Mr. Bur uh, Trump replied, Dr. Burks is right outside. Fauci told CBS News Tuesday afternoon he had not heard anything about attending the briefing. He was sidelined from the task force briefing led by uh, Vice President Pence at the Department of Education earlier this month, but appeared at a subsequent press briefing days later. There have now been more than 3.8 million confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the United States, and more than 140,000 people have died due to the virus. Citation needed, please. According to a tally from Johns Hopkins University. Still don't buy it. Sorry. So, yeah, he's going up on the mask. And like I said yesterday, I do think that some of this is a bit of trollery to maybe see if he can get the mainstream media to come down and reverse their stance on the mask. Oh, well, Mr. Trump says the mask is good, so it must be bad. And get people to stop wearing the masks. It's an interesting strategy that we have here, but... Hey, we'll see what comes out of this. All right, let's keep going down the uh, road here. I got just a short one here. I wish her well, Trump says of Ghislaine Maxwell. And yes, Twitter erupted over this uh, from the Situation Room. So yeah, they don't really give you a lot of details out of this. President Donald Trump said he wished Ghislaine Maxwell, the one-time girlfriend and alleged accomplice of accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein, well... So, yeah, there's not much here to this, but, yeah, this is what makes people's heads explode over on Twitter. He said he wished her well, which means he must have been going to Pedo Island. He must have been flying on the plane. He must have. He must. He must have been flying on this. He must be guilty. We have to take him down. He's, oh, my God. Yeah, all of Twitter exploded over this yesterday. And it's just innocuous. I wish people I can't stand well all the time. But this is what our mainstream media is coming to, and especially what we see over on Twitter. All right, here, archived through Archive Today from the New York Slimes, a former newspaper. Trump's request of an ambassador. Get the British open for me. Woody Johnson, the NFL owner, Trump donor, and ambassador to Britain, was warned not to get involved in trying to move the tournament to a Trump resort in Scotland, but he raised the idea anyway, and he failed. From Mark Landler, Lara Jakes, and Maggie Haberman. The American ambassador to Britain, Robert Wood Johnson IV, told multiple colleagues on February 20, uh, 2018 that President Trump had asked him to see if the British government could help steer the world-famous and lucrative British Open Golf Tournament to the Trump Turnberry Resort in Scotland, according to three people with knowledge of the episode. The ambassador's deputy, Louis A. Lukens, advised him not to do it, warning it would be an unethical use of the presidency for private gain. These people said, but Mr. Johnson apparently felt pressured to try. A few weeks later, he raised the idea of Turnbury playing to uh, host to the Open with the Secretary of State for Scotland, David Mundell. In a brief interview last week, Mr. Mundell said it was inappropriate for him to discuss his dealings with Mr. Uh, Mr. Johnson and referred to a British government statement. That said, Mr. Johnson made no request of Mr. Mundell regarding the British Open or any other sporting event. 
The statement did not address whether the ambassador had broached the issue of Turnbury, which Mr. Trump sought in 2014, but none of the next four opens are scheduled to be played there. Still, in the episode, Mr. Lukens and other diplomats deeply unsettled. Mr. Lukens, who served as the acting ambassador before Mr. Johnson arrived in 2017, emailed officials at the State Department to tell them what happened. Colleagues said a few months later, Mr. Johnson forced out Mr. Lukens, a career diplomat who had earlier served as ambassador to Senegal shortly before his term was about to end. The White House declined to comment on Mr. Trump's instructions to Mr. Johnson, as did the ambassador and the State Department. I'm going to go down a limb and say that this didn't happen. This was a complete non-story that absolutely 100% didn't happen, but this is another way to make the orange man look bad. Orange man bad because he just wants to use the presidency to enrich himself. Let's keep going. I got a pair back-to-back from the Daily Wire. U.S. forces closure of Chinese consulate in Houston. Video shows classified documents being burned inside. From Ryan Saavedra. Chinese officials at the Chinese General Consulate in Houston reportedly rushed to burn classified documents on Tuesday evening after learning the United States ordered them to cease all operations and events at the consulate over security concerns. The U.S. State Department said in a statement, We have directed the closure of the PRC consulate in General Houston in order to protect American intellectual property and Americans' private information. State Department spokeswoman Morgan Ortegas said in the statement, The United States will not tolerate the PRC's violations of our sovereignty and intimidation of our people, just as we have not tolerated the PRC's unfair trade practices. The theft of American jobs and other egregious behavior, President Trump insists on fairness and reciprocity in U.S.-China relations. China called the move by the United States an unprecedented escalation and threatened to make legitimate and necessary response if the U.S. did not immediately retract the wrong decision. The DOJ and FBI announced an 11-count indictment on Tuesday against two Chinese nationals and residents, Li Jiayu, 34, and Dong Jiaji, 33, for allegedly hacking into computer systems of hundreds of victim companies, governments, non-governmental organizations, and individual dissidents, clergy, and democratic and human rights activists in the United States and abroad, including Hong Kong and China. The defendants, in some instances, acted for their own personal financial gain and others for the benefit of the MSS or other Chinese government agencies, the DOJ added. The hackers stole terabytes of data, which compromised a sophisticated and prolific threat to the U.S. networks. U.S. officials said that two Chinese nationals targeted 11 nations and tried to steal research from companies develop COVID-19 vaccines, testing, technology, and treatments. The news comes as the Trump administration is considering banning the Chinese app TikTok from the U.S. to protect private information of Americans. Earlier in the evening, the Houston Fire Department and Police Department responded to reports that items were being burned in the Chinese consulate. Police say a fire that was reported at the Chinese consulate in Houston Tuesday evening was the result of classified documents being burned, Fox 26 Houston reported. Houston Fire and Police Departments responded to the scene, but were not allowed entry into the building. Fox 26 Houston added that Chinese officials were burning the classified documents because they were being evicted on Friday at 4 p.m. So, yeah. A lot of stuff going on here. A lot of stuff down in Houston. I wonder if Bob White's going to talk about this over on the breakdown because that's actually that's a pretty interesting thing to sit here and watch. 
And I know that he said he's kind of in the Houston metro. He didn't say exactly where he was, obviously, but he's kind of in the Houston metro area. So this is like right down the road from him. I wonder if he got to hear any of this on the police scan or anything. But yeah, who knew that China would go out and start buy or burning documents because they were caught and they were about to get kicked out of their building. And what else is going on there that we don't know about? This, this whole China thing just drives me crazy. It drives the tinfoil end of me crazy, and I try not to get tinfoily on this particular show, but man, oh man, does this drive me crazy on the tinfoil aspect. All right, let's do another one here from the Daily Wire. Planned Parenthood New York will remove Margaret, uh, Margaret Sanger's name from the clinic over harmful connections to racism and uh, eugenics from Emily Zanotti. Planned Parenthood of Greater New York announced Tuesday that they plan on removing founder Margaret Sanger's name from a key clinic after acknowledging Sanger's legacy of supporting eugenics and racism as part of an effort to reckon with the organization's history. Pro-life groups have long pointed out Sanger's purpose in founding Planned Parenthood was to encourage communities of color and other unfit and feeble-minded groups to practice strict birth control, at least according to Sanger's own writings, which are widely available. Today, eugenics is suggested by the most diverse minds as the most adequate and thorough avenue in the solution of racial, political, and social problems, Sanger wrote in 1921, for example. Previously, though, the abortion provider has brushed off concerns about Sanger's beliefs as complicated and described her own letters, which referred to using abortion to limit and discourage overfertility of the mentally and physically defective as Inartfully written, supporters insist that Sanger's ultimate goal was to empower women to control their own fertility, a goal which for them all but erases more unsavory beliefs. But last month, following the death of George Floyd while in custody of the Minneapolis Police Department, employees of Planned Parenthood Greater New York published an open letter accusing the corporation's hierarchy of gross mismanagement and pointing out Sanger's flaws as a key element of the group, ongoing issues with white supremacy. Yeah, and they're not even going to tell you this right now, but I don't even know if they believe it. But if you just look at the locations of Planned Parenthood within the inner city, and the fact that they do strive for abortion, no matter what they'll tell you, that's what they're striving for because that's what makes them the most money. They are still a eugenic company. They are still a eugenic corporation, 100% still eugenic. It doesn't matter how they scrub Margaret Sanger's name from them. They are still absolutely eugenic. And they're going to continue to with their eugenic mission, but they're going to be praised because they go the right way on abortion, the sacred sacrament of the left. Let's keep going. I got a tweet here that I thought was a little bit funny. So I want to read that to you, and then we'll talk about what's happening there. From Spencer Dank. To be honest, how wild does the truck... Uh, how wild does the Tropical Depression 7 sound? Sounds like a hard rock band. And then he gave us a picture showing the alert from the activity that's coming on. And yes, that would be a great punk band. Tropical Depression 7. I love it. But let's see what's going on with this. From the Weather Channel, Tropical Depression 7 in the Atlantic is likely to strengthen into Tropical Storm Gonzalo on Wednesday. That's today. Uh, Tropical Depression 7 is tracking through the Atlantic Ocean between Africa and the Lesser Antilles and may impact parts of the Windward Islands this weekend. 
The system is located well over a thousand miles east of the southern Windward Islands, moving west-northwest. It's forecast to strengthen into Tropical Storm Gonzalo on Wednesday. Future Gonzalo's tiny size and the environment around it pose major forecast challenges for its intensity. Dry air is currently to the west and in the north of the system, which is one factor that can weaken and disrupt tropical cyclones. While shearing winds are currently not near the system, it may encounter increased wind shear as it nears the Windward Islands this weekend. These factors could argue for weakening of the system but by the time it nears the Windward Islands on Saturday. Small systems like this can intensify quickly in the right conditions, but they can also succumb to unfavorable conditions more quickly than the larger storm. In other words, they can strengthen and weaken much more and at a faster rate than expected. So the range of outcomes for the intensity forecast is large. Anywhere from the storm remaining weak or dissipating east of the Windward Islands to a possible strong tropical storm or hurricane. And I appreciate the fact that the Weather Channel is coming up and letting us know that there is something with the potential of a hurricane coming to our shores. I really appreciate that. But, yes, at this point, because of the way social media is run, we're going to look at this and this is suddenly going to become the next hurricane. This is going to be Trump's Katrina. Gonzalo is going to be Trump's Katrina. It's going to wipe out a large U.S. city. It's going to be panic and fear and rioting in the streets, which we already have in an election year on top of this too. So I don't know what's going to happen out of this. Nobody knows what's going to happen out of this. Since when can the weatherman predict the weather, much less the future, but we will see what comes up out of this. All right, let's keep going. From Vice, which is not a NewsGuard organization, but I thought that this was really interesting and I thought that you guys might like it too. From Motherboard Tech by Vice, banning TikTok is a human rights issue from Kevin Truong. As a growing list of companies and government officials issue warnings about the use of TikTok, citing privacy and security concerns, the popular video sharing app is denying that it shares its users' data with the government of China. Yes, well, why are you burning documents at the consulate if you're denying this? Questions about TikTok and its Beijing-based parent company, ByteDance, are uh, not new. TikTok has, in the fa past, faced concerns about its growing influence in the United States. It has also been accused of censoring user content critical of China. In November last year, TikTok apologized to 17-year-old user Feroza Aziz after a video she posted criticizing China's treatment of the Uyghur Muslims was removed on the platform, calling the decision a human error that should not have happened. In the last few weeks, though, pressure on TikTok has hit new levels. The app has left Hong Kong. India has banned it. The politicians have suggested that the U.S. should do the same. Amazon told employees to remove TikTok from their work phones. It quickly sent an email telling them to delete it was sent in error. And Wells Fargo also told employees they must delete the app. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said in an interview that the Trump administration is looking at banning TikTok and other Chinese social media apps. The question being raised by Silicon Valley, by politicians, by governments is, what should be done about TikTok? The bulk of the public argument thus far has been that, because ByteDance is a Chinese company, it cannot be trusted to be independent from the CCP, and could use TikTok as either a spying or influence tool in other countries. Proponents of a ban are speaking in absolutes about what is a complicated and nuanced solution. TikTok is the first major, well-funded foreign social media company that has become massively popular with Americans, especially a new generation of social media users. And so, it is a legitimate threat to Facebook and YouTube, 
from a competition perspective, it's hard to say how much of a current concern is American protectionism and how much is legitimate fear of surveillance and foreign influence and how much is xenophobia. The debate over TikTok is similar to that over Huawei, another Chinese technology company that has been widely banned in the US and several other countries. The Huawei ban has been predicted, uh, predicated rather on classified information about supposed vulnerabilities or surveillance operations that have never become public. Similar politic or similarly rather politicians who want to ban TikTok have thus far been unable to point to a specific vulnerability for or example of the app sharing American data with the Chinese government. Yeah, it just goes on to this, but the fact that they led the headline with the fact that it's a human rights issue just blows my mind. The fact that Vice just it wants you using TikTok, apparently. And no, I, I don't use TikTok. I'm not going to use TikTok. I think it's, I legitimately think that it is Chinese spyware because, I mean, there's, if these companies, which have massive security apparatuses and ways to analyze the app and what it does to people's phones are telling people to ban it. There's something going on. There's something that the rest of us aren't telling you. There actually is something to this. So I thought this was entertaining. I hope that you guys would uh, enjoy it as well. It's a little bit old. It's from the 15th, but still, I hope you guys would enjoy it. All right. A little bit of celebrity stuff, I guess. And then we will close out with something that I'm thankful for from TMZ. Dave Chevelle visits the ranch, and it's a bit awkward. Kanye West has some company in Wyoming following his Twitter meltdown, but it's not his family checking in on him. It's Dave Chappelle. The rapper says that Dave hopped on a jet to come see him doing well on the ranch and called him a godsend and a true friend. The great, warm, friendly visit did not come, or did come with one slightly awkward moment. Kanye got Dave and a few other friends there to gather around for a video and then put the comedian on the spot to come up with something funny, you know, to make everyone laugh. It was apparently pretty early in the day because Dave said he wasn't in a funny mode yet, but watch. Of course, they found their way to a punchline. As we reported, Kanye West went on a wild rant Monday night, firing off several tweets that accused his wife, Kim Kardashian, of trying to have him uh, voluntarily committed to a mental hospital. He also blasted Kris Jenner for allegedly influencing some of Kim's past career moves, i.e. posing for Playboy and selling her sex tape, and compared his life to Get Out. Assuming Dave touched down in Wyoming Tuesday morning, as Kanye inferred, he went pretty far out of his way to help his buddy. We told Dave's been doing an invite-only comedy gigs near his home in Ohio. So, I mean, that's a true friend right there, to come out, see the Twitter rant, Get on a plane and go hang out with a dude well within six feet of each other in the middle of a pandemic. That's uh, that's pretty cool. And Dave Chappelle is a pretty straight shooter. I don't always agree with everything he has to say, but, I mean, he's a pretty straight shooter guy. He's a pretty awesome guy. I hope I get to meet him one day. I think he, uh, I think he's a great guy. I hope that uh, our paths cross out one day. And, yeah, that's really good. That is a true friend right there. No matter how rich and how famous you are and how... Uh, how much you get out there. That is a true friend. All right, let's keep going here. The last one we're going to talk about is Britney Spears, which we have a 28-second video here. And then I've got something to talk about on that. So let's see what we've got.
we're kind of stuck in this place and it's like, how do you deal, you know? It's just like you can't really go there in a complete state of happiness because you're scared that it's gonna be taken away. The way I feel, it's like they hear me but they really not listening. If I wasn't under the restraints that I'm under right now, I'd feel so liberated and feel like myself. So this definitely comes from a very, very early 2000s state of mind for me, and that's the reason that I in uh, included this on here. So we're going to read from Us Weekly. Jamie Lynn Spears defends badass sister Brittany ahead of conservatorship, uh, conservatorship hearing. That's the word I was looking for. Let's see what they have to say here. Not having... It, Jamie Lynn Spears, came to the defense of her big sister, Britney Spears, after a troll made a negative remark about the pop star's mental health. There have been conversations about mental illness on social media this week after Kanye West's first campaign rally and online ramblings sparked speculations. The Zoe 101 alum, 29, shared tweets on the matter from stars including Halsey on Tuesday, July 21st, and took the opportunity to address the misconceptions about such conditions. If you deal with mental illness or care for someone dealing with mental illness, then you know how important it is to respect the situation with privacy for the person and the family trying to protect their loved ones, no matter how it may appear for the public. And as the public, we must learn to do the same, she wrote via Instagram. I pray for this, or pray this doesn't bring shame to anyone dealing with mental illness. You're not alone. You are loved. Sending all my love and prayers to all of you. Jamie's well-intended message uh, was met with criticism from one commenter who questioned Brittany's obvious mental illness in a comment on the Instagram post. The troll was asked why Jamie has not spoken out on the issue. You have no right to assume anything about my sister, she hit back, and I have no right to speak about her and her personal matters. The sweet Magnolia's actress added, she is strong, badass, unstoppable woman, and that's the only thing that is obvious. Her comments come a day before a hearing into Brittany's long-running conservatorship. A source ex exclusively tells Us Weekly that Brittany and her father, Jamie Spears, are set to appear via video conference for a status hearing about her conservatorship on Wednesday, July 22nd. The hearing comes six days after Brittany's mother, Lynn Spears, filing, uh, filed papers requested to be included on decisions regarding the singer's finances. So, from what I understand out of this, they've, I mean... Brittany's father's been making all of her decisions and pretty much been keeping her hold up in the house for many years at this point, like a decade at this point, not allowing her to go out, not allowing her to go out and do anything at all whatsoever. After she had that manic episode years ago where she shaved her, uh, shaved her head and played not really nice with her baby. And I don't know what goes on with this. Now, I believe she is older than me, so I would say probably as a 38-year-old woman, I think by this point, you should be out on your own. Absolutely. 100% should be out on your own. But if there is a mental issue there, then that should be assessed and should, should be in the care of medicine. But it's really not my place to say either. I'm just so surprised by the fact that somebody who is probably worth millions at this point is out there and still locked up at home. So I don't know what's going on with this. Like I said, this does come from an early 2000s uh, state of mind because, I mean, I was just getting into high school when Britney Spears first started getting big. And that was all the posters, everything else that you saw. That was all the news for a while was Britney Spears. 
So, and it does correlate really well with what Kanye West did uh, on Monday too. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I'm probably not going to talk about that much again, but we'll see what happens with that. All right, and that is what we're going to have for the news today. And the last thing we talked about is something that I'm thankful for. So, as most of you know, I went up and spent the weekend with my parents. I went up on Saturday morning. I did some work on some of my dad's vehicles, and I actually got to go out and flex my wrench and muscles once again. I'm definitely much slower than I was before I got hurt on the floor. So there's no chance of me going back to working on the floor, but it's still enjoyable to go out and do some work on some stuff every once in a while. I was going to do brakes on my truck, but I didn't have... I did a big bill pay in June, so I didn't have the money to go out and uh, pull the parts for it. Of course, the labor is free, but I didn't have the money to pull the parts for it. So I'll be doing that a little bit later on, I think this month, maybe next month. So I didn't get a chance to do that, but I did... Uh, I changed the oil on all my dad's vehicles, including the trans oil on his Duramax. Uh, got some other stuff up running where it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to be and we got the deck on the mower and it's just the fact of the matter that I have a place like that I can go is awesome but then on top of it because my ex-girlfriend when we moved out took large amounts of all the useful stuff that I brought in claiming that it was hers the whole time my mixer bought the farm and you know it's just it's the way that some parents are my parents sent me back with a bunch of salmon from their recent fishing trip uh, because of the coin shortage out here and the fact that I uh, work on coin-op laundry. I had been washing clothes in the sink for the past couple weeks. They sent me with $70 worth of quarters, claiming it was a payback for the oil and uh, filters that I had bought for my dad because I can get some of that stuff a little bit cheaper than he can. So $70 worth of quarters, so that'll keep me going up there. And a throwback mixer from the 60s, plus uh, some of you guys saw the Lieutenant Dan grill as well. A grill that uh, we found over at uh, my dad's place that had no legs on it, which is now sitting in an aluminum pot. But I'm going to see if I can get some uh, some new legs fashioned up for it, because it's it's a good grill. It's good and solid. Like the grill part of it, just the legs broke off of it, probably rusted off. So I'm thankful for my parents and everything that they've done for me, even into my 30s. It's little stuff. It's not like you know when they raised me they let me go out be independent but i'm still thankful for the fact that they they allow me to do stuff and i mean had it not been for the camp i think steven would have been up with me too so yeah just for them to open up their home to me and then for one of my friends because they were already planning for it out of nowhere to just come up and do that that is awesome and that's amazing but that's all that we have for the day here we will be back here tomorrow with more news i'm sure there's going to be more stuff brewing as well and we will see what's going on with that. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that. So thank you everybody for coming in and checking us out. We will be back here tomorrow with more Contemporary. Until then, I am Jay Edgar and this is Contemporary.